previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. And he kept going on and on and on about, oh, the Littles have so much talent. Oh, the talented Littles. So I'm screaming at my radio. I don't have any talent. I don't have any talent. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> the Keep ringing. All right. Anyway, as you hear, Chuck and Roxy are back and better than ever. They're ready to go. They are eggnogged up, ready for a great episode of the Loyal Littles Podcast. Woo! Can't yes, wait. indeed. So as always, we're going to start with a little mishaps and some shout outs and whatnot. Quick shout out to our previous guest, Tony Beeson, for getting on the A1 email section of the big show. That was exciting to hear. Ooh, Got nice. another email read in the A1 slot, as they're calling it now on the big show, which I thought was hilarious. And kind of going on with that, John Miller emailed us in, and he claims, now I can't confirm this because I've never been, and it's obviously closed now, but he says that apparently Mr. Beeson buried the lead by telling us in chatter on the wall is, or I'm saying was, a plaque honoring his I Have a Piano jingle. Whoa. Now, I don't know. Like I said, I can't confirm that. Thank you, John Miller, for the email. Yeah, way to bury that lead, Mr. Beeson, but that's great. I'm wondering if it is there still or if they took it down, and who knows? Maybe it's in the archives somewhere. Speaking of archives, the old stadium is not JFK, which is what I said. Chuck, did you not catch that? What, do you remember the name of the stadium, Chuck? RFK? It's RFK. Yeah. Chuck, can, can you get on that sooner so we don't have angry emailers emailing us or Facebooking us telling us <laughs> we screwed up? No, I'm just kidding. Everyone's been really nice, and we, we do appreciate that. We love that. The big one, I have a huge big error, and I try to do my best. I do, but I mispronounced Todd Takei's last name. I butchered it. Like I think he said it was like the worst he's ever heard. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> Yikes. I say, but it is Todd Takei. And it's because it rhymes with decay. And now, in our defense, I mean, his Twitter handle is at Tooth Decay. He said it's also as a joke, but that will help you pronounce my name. Follow him at Tooth Decay. We are at Loyal Littles Pod. Don't forget to follow us there also. Now, the big part of the Facebook post that he said, this is how it goes. Roxy, you ready? I'm ready. Chuck, you're not going to want to listen to this. It's peanut butter on both sides of the bread. Jelly oh and chips in between. <laughs> Chuck's had this. Chuck's over the peanut butter. Oh, my God. The peanut butter thing. He's oh like, we've talked God. way too much about it. So that's how it is. Now, I'm going to try this next time, in all fairness, because I'm going to throw a curveball here. I cannot wait to try that with fluff and nutter. Peanut Ooh. butter on both sides with the fluff and nutter inside. That's going to be real good. That's my oh jam. Boy. Yeah. Fluff? Peanut butter and fluff, Chuck? Do you even know what I'm talking about? No. I mean, I know what a fluffer is, I think. Chuck. I think we're talking a different, <laughs> oh a different industry. Yeah, Chuck. No, no. All right. We're good. We're good there. Okay. Oh, you know that so, marshmallowy goodness? Oh, that yeah. kind of fluff. Well, he can still no, be talking about the it. same thing. So once again, our apologies to Todd. For mispronouncing the last name. Hopefully we'll do better with everyone else's for future emails and whatnot, shout outs. So one quick thing, Chuck, we were talking about last week how the NFL Christmas Day game kind of snuck up on us. Chuck and Roxy, did you know there are 
three games, not one, not two, but three games on Saturday as well. Now, what? Yeah. Come so, on. I kid you I, not. I do remember that part. I don't well, remember there being games on Christmas in the past. Am I no, wrong I there? I don't think there have been. But yeah, so what we have is we have obviously we already, as they announced, Minnesota and New Orleans on Christmas Day. But then on Saturday, we have Tampa Bay against Detroit, San Francisco at Arizona, Miami at Las Vegas in upstate where, Chuck? <laughs> Nevada. Yeah, right. Okay. So anyway, that's an inside but, joke from a other podcast. I and, have uh, heard that Saturday games are, are actually, this time of year, pretty regular. But yes, the, we, the weird correct. thing is, is that the college football schedule is so wacky that we usually don't have college football games this time of year, which is why they moved to Saturday so they could get some of those ratings that they usually have but since college balls is going later then there's all kinds of scheduling conflicts with tv games and all that stuff yeah it is kind of it is kind of messed up i don't know what's going on but i don't remember three games on saturday <laughs> I literally just told you what's going on Chuck, you don't really think i listen to you talk do you apparently not you're just like my wife <laughs> oh, hey oh <laughs> All right, you two, let's move on. And we need important update. I'm calling this the update because I'm now calling it the Instapot Dilemma. Okay. <laughs> oh, so after our last episode, Roxy got an early Christmas gift, I believe. Roxy, I, do you want to tell I everyone did. what you got? Oh, it was such a surprise. I was not expecting it. I got my very own Instant Pot and a brand new cookbook to go with said Instant Pot. Right. So now let's recap here because the last episode, Chuck was plugging this thing like it was, I don't know what. Chuck could not talk enough about it. Chuck was throwing out all his recipes that he loves to put in it. You have an Instant Pot, I assume, right, Chuck? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. We use it like every week. Yeah. one of the things that our listeners, I think, will be most interested in is, because it pertains to the big show, is that one of the things you listed off is hard-boiled eggs. Okay, so proceed, Roxy. Okay, so the Instant Pot is, I've had it, it makes the best hard-boiled eggs ever. It's perfectly cooked. It There's no, like, weird green ring around the yolk. It's just, <laughs> it's the perfect hard boiled egg. So I was super excited. That was the first thing I was going to try to make when I opened the instant pot. I was like, okay, this is, this is happening. Okay. And so now you say some, but this was someone else's instant pot because you've never had an instant pot, right? I've never had an instant pot. I've used my mom's and okay. my brother also has one and I've made hard boiled eggs in my mom's instant pot before, never my own until now. Okay, so now to be fair, because I've heard this story, so I want to make sure we go piece by piece because you're skipping okay. some parts here. Hopefully. So, well, nothing major, but I just want to make sure because people are going to be like, well, did you do the test? Did you? Yes, she did, did the test. Now, what, is that, what okay. does that contain? It's called the water test. And you, well, after you clean out everything before you start to use it, I followed all the instructions how to care and clean for my Instant Pot. And then it says before you actually start cooking in it, you should, it's recommended that you do a water test. So you basically pour three cups of water into the pot and you turn it on for however long the directions say. Okay, so I did that. This is all just for a test. You're just cooking water. Yeah, this is just for the test to make sure everything work is working properly. Okay, I'm um, going to let this slide because 
I, I understand these are things you have to do to make sure everything's working because I just think this is hilarious that you're cooking a pot of water. Okay, well, it's funny because when I asked my mom about <laughs> it, she said she never did that. So oh, her, okay. she has a different model. So maybe her model, you didn't have to do it. Yeah, but also, as we know, Roxy, you are a rule follower. I'm so an this is what the direction rule said. This is what the direction said, so this is what you did. Okay. Christine, well, ultimately, please. this could be a fairly dangerous item, appliance, to have. And if you don't take care of it properly and use it properly, there could be some serious issues. So okay. it's intense. You got okay. to follow the rules. I'm sure we're going to find some news articles about a Instapot <laughs> mishap because I am personally going to seek these out. Go on. <laughs> Okay, so I did the water test. Everything was great. I decided to to try hard boiling some eggs. Now, you just did this because of us, right? Because of the show. You were like, oh, that's got to be the first thing. I mean, everyone, Roxy decides to boil eggs for the first thing. Sure, we'll go with that. And we we'll didn't even upset that. her, I don't think. You just decided to do this on your own. You were craving some hard boiled eggs. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I decided I was going to try to make a half a dozen hard boiled eggs. I had my cookbook <laughs> and I was, I followed all the directions to the T and the eggs did not come out right. And I lost six eggs. <laughs> yeah. So my first Whoa. logical question, my first logical question would be, Roxy, next time you're going to have to invite me over because I want to do this. Next time I feel like I just want to have a pot with some water in it and I'll boil my eggs and I'll put it up <laughs> against your Instapot just to see which ones can be quicker and which ones come out better. I just think this is hilarious. I don't know why. I, I get it that the Instapot, the Instapot is- Instapot is both quicker and better. Okay, all right. Well, clearly not, because this is what happened. But my other thought process is, why wouldn't you just try one or two to make sure it works before you throw a whole- Anyway, that's a whole nother Because story. I was really excited and I <laughs> thought I knew what I was doing. That's well, what, what happened. happened. Like what yes. happened when you opened the lid? Well, when I opened the lid, they looked fine. Everything looked <laughs> fine. The one thing that I did notice was that the pressure release valve, the thing that pops up and down, didn't go up. So it never had to go down. And I thought at that moment, something wasn't quite right. But I figured, well, I'm going to trust the directions. I'm going to trust the recipe from my book when I started to peel them that I realized, okay, the egg is the egg white is just barely solid. And when I opened it up, I like cut into the middle of it. It was basically like an over easy egg slash hard boiled egg, not hard, soft boiled egg. Like a two minute like egg or something. Yeah. And I'm sure it would have been fine to eat, but I don't really like runny eggs. So I threw them out. Yeah, I lost six eggs and then decided to try it again, but I did a different, I put it on a different setting basically, and it ended up working out much better. Still not quite perfect. But I needed to leave them in a little bit longer. Then they would have been absolutely perfect for me, but they were definitely edible. I ate them. They were great. Yeah, but you, you they were eggs? eight eggs. She eight wasted eggs. eight eggs. You ate eight eight eggs, later. eggs. No, she didn't eat the six. She oh. didn't eat the six. No, she I just ate these out. final two. But the final two weren't even right. That that's what's cracking me up. Where if you well, would have the just put them in a two, pot of water on the stove, they would have been perfect the first well, time. Well, the final two. What 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 I should have done? What I needed to do was after the I put it on pressure cook for six minutes. What I should have done. Once it was done with the cooking process, I should have left it for another five minutes before doing the quick release for the steam. So I was missing a step. And okay. unfortunately, right. my book is wrong. So I'm going to put a note in my book to make sure that I never followed that 
direction. Well, you ever should again. write the author of this book and tell them, and maybe he'll send you six eggs. I don't I know. I mean, but... is my definition of a proper <laughs> hard-boiled egg different from the rest of the world? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I'm sure a lot of littles could have some information on that for sure. <laughs> now, we're going to have updates on this Instapot yeah. thing because I'm sure it makes delicious other stuff. Chuck, you've told us there's many little things. Oh yeah, give it some time, okay? Well, Rome, I just, Rome wasn't is... built in a day. Let's just <laughs> That's true. Hold, pump I, the brakes. <laughs> later that day, I did make chili in it, and it was very good. It wasn't okay. my favorite chili recipe, but I can. I'm sure I can take my favorite chili recipe and turn it into an instant pot recipe and right. be good to go. So it tasted great. It came out great. All right, Roxy. Thank you for the Instapot update. You're we'll welcome. we'll 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 check in back on that. All right, all you loyal littles, it's now the time you've been waiting for in our favorite segment. We'll be right back because it's time to meet the littles. being played in by Sarah Glassman. This is called Christmas Eve, Love Under the Tree. If you want to get in touch with Sarah, she can be reached on Instagram at Sarah Glassman Music. That's S-A-R-A-H-G-L-A-S-S-M-A-N Music. Or her Twitter handle is at Sarah Glassman. Or you can find all her stuff at sarahglassmanmusic.com. And as always, we'll play the full song at the end of the podcast. And it's time for our favorite segment, Meet the Littles. Today we have with us Mary Faye Randolph, all the way from Texas. Welcome, Mary Faye. How you doing? Good to be here. Doing great. So how we usually start these, if you wouldn't mind, take a quick second, introduce yourself. What should you know about Mary Faye? Okay, I'm a lifelong Austinite. I spent... 13 years as a U.S. history teacher, then became a school librarian, did that for 17 years, and now I work part-time for Austin Public Library. I do some volunteer work and stuff and enjoying just the the part-time gig now. Oh, that's great. Now, I, I legitimately am curious about this because I often think about when I, I don't want to show my age too much, but when I went to college and, you know, we had to look books up with a card catalog. So curious, what is it like? Sadly, I don't go to many libraries today, but what is it like now? Is it still something that's a necessity? I hope it is, but could you go in a little bit on that? Oh, definitely. The branch library that I work in is in a lower socioeconomic neighborhood. So before the pandemic, We served as the computer hub, internet hub for that community. I mean, we have 10 public computers. They were loaded. I mean, they were filled the whole time. We helped people with computer issues. But then we have, um, because a lot of the people who come to us for computer use don't have computers at home, they also check out books a whole lot. Oh, that's good. So we have a real, we, I have to say we had, because now we're just doing curbside hold pickup. We're not letting people in the building except for staff. We have a, it is is a 
very necessary part of the community. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Now, that, that was my curiosity was, so it sounded like before the pandemic, you were almost serving, again, I don't want to show my age, but I almost in some ways feel like it was sad because it's like, okay, now you've become a building where people just go to get online and Google things instead of like, look things up and go to the encyclopedia and all that stuff. It's so funny. My parents still have their set of encyclopedias on the shelf there. It uh, was the saddest <laughs> thing from a librarian standpoint that I ever did when I got rid of my Well, here's the funny thing. Mary Faye, this is the funny thing is we actually tried to donate them to the local library. They wouldn't take them. They they were like, we're sorry, you know, we appreciate the thought, but we just don't have a, a need for them anymore. And we thought, wow, how sad is that? But it's where we are today. And I get it. It's so much easier just to go to your Google machine and check something out and look it up. So they say. I was always real proud to see that kids you know, who had come through my middle school knew not to just Google. Now, that's a good point. So I apologize if this is like a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do they still teach card catalog stuff, like what that's about? Like, oh, I no. Mean, you know. We have every library that I know of, and there's probably some small ones that aren't this way, but it, it, there's a card catalog or there's a catalog mm -hmm. online. And so, okay. of course, back when I was a school librarian, taught kids how to use the catalog online. And yeah, and most teachers now require, if they like require three sources, at least one of them has to be online and at least one of them has to be a print. Well, that was my, because I have to be honest, I've always said this. I'm like, if you have a paper due or whatever, I mean, obviously, if it's a, a long-term project, it wouldn't affect this, but what if the internet goes away for a week? Like, what if it legitimately just goes down? And I mean, how are these younger generation kids? Uh, I know I sound like get off my lawn, but <laughs> how are they going to be able to look up? Well, you know, another good one is they're saying how kids can't read a clock these days because everything's digital. Mm -hmm. They don't know the hands on a clock. And that just blows my mind because to me, that's like cursive and things like that, that they're just not teaching kids these days. I used to tell kids about cursive that I didn't expect them to write it, but I expected them to be able to read mine. When I would grade papers or write notes to kids about your book is in or, you know, something like that. Anytime it's fast, I write in cursive. Of course. And so I told them, and some of them would like actually come up and say, <laughs> yes. What does this say? Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Look, just start looking at cursive online, maybe. Yeah. Wow, well, you just it's aged so sad. I that was my fa I couldn't wait until I was old enough to learn how to write in cursive. It so was I just I couldn't wait. It was such an exciting time for me as a kid growing up. I can't believe that kids don't get that that same experience anymore. Well, and I've told them, especially the athletes. I say, if you spend time printing your name when someone wants your autograph, it's not going to work. Yeah. Wow, that's a good point. Yeah. And so some of them would start learning how to kind of <laughs> scribble something. Right. So they could have an autograph. <laughs> that's that's say, really funny. Honey, you're not going <laughs> to make it to the point where someone wants your autograph. But wow. I mean, that's that's a good that's a good incentive for them. Oh, right. I found having knowledge of sports 
very effective in reaching my male students. Yeah. Sure. And like I've read all the John Feinstein books, kids oh, wow. books. I've read all the Mike Lupica kids books, all the Tim Greens and all of the other books about sports. And I, I know over 17 years, I hooked a lot of boys on reading who didn't think. Interested. Wow. That's great. That's amazing. So one thing we didn't go into yet, real quickly, how did you find out about Tony Kornheiser? What's your affiliation with that? When did you start listening? Where do you listen to him? All that. Okay. Uh, when he was on national radio during the summers when I wasn't at school, if I was in the car, I would hear it and uh, would listen to it and laughed and then started watching PTI if I got home from school in time. And, okay, uh, can we pause there for a second though? I, I always I always like to go more in depth. Like, <laughs> so you just randomly turned on the radio oh. and Tony was there. Like, how did you find out about him? Oh, well, now in Austin we don't have an ESPN affiliate radio right. station, but we have always had one, and in the past ten years, two real big sports radio stations. Gotcha. And of course they cover. UT football and baseball mm -hmm. and basketball and mm -hmm. and that's my sports gotcha. roots is college sports and UT in particular because yeah. that's where I went because that would be the station that would be on in my car usually okay. that what I would hear but sure. then 10 years ago I started walking during the summer, trying to lose weight. And it was also the same time that my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And I just started saying to people, music is almost too emotional for me. Mm -hmm. I've got to listen to funny stuff. What is mm. funny? What, what's a podcast that's funny? And I don't even remember who it was now, but someone said, oh, you remember Tony Kornheiser that used to be on, and it's on PTI now. And I went, oh, yeah, he's funny. And I always looked forward to walking because I knew I was going to be able to listen to Tony and Gary and Jeannie yeah. and Tori and Kip. I missed Kip. Ugh. <laughs> well, I miss, we miss them all. I mean, it's so sad. I mean, I'm so thankful that he's continuing to do it, but it is sad that we don't get to hear those voices. I mean, it's funny. I think you mentioned this off air about Chatter on Books. I mean, I obviously you're a big books person. Unfortunately, I'm not. I do like to read. I try to, but obviously digital and social media and all this stuff is it's crazy. But I actually subscribed. Well, first of all, I wanted to support the podcast. But I just love hearing those voices sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't even care who they're talking to, what book it is, or who they're talking to. But I just love hearing their voices because it's like a family. Yeah. And, oh, and I've always, David Aldridge has always mm -hmm. been one of my favorites, yeah. too. One of the ones that I thought, if I sat down and talked to him, I think because of his very, not humble, necessary roots, but very down to earth. I mean, he, he didn't grow up privileged or mm -hmm. I mean I feel like I could sit down and talk to David and it yeah. would mm -hmm. yeah oh absolutely conversation like with someone I'd known forever right well it's funny that you say all that because especially when you were talking about the music and it being too sad and I totally get that and the thing that it's amazing to me if you told 
myself, Chuck, 20 years ago, that in 20 years, you are going to rather listen to people talk, banter, argue, just spew on about something instead of listen to music, I would have said you're absolutely out of your freaking minds because our background is Broadway and and show business. And I knew every show tune, album, song known to man. My collection, because back then we did have CDs and it was well over 500 cast albums. And I mean, different casts of cast albums. Like I own like five or six carousels. It was hilarious. Someone would say, do you really need a fifth copy of care? And I'm like, of course, because that's the Lincoln Center recording, not the Broadway cast and blah. (laughs) You know, so I listen to nonstop music, show tunes, everything. Now I'm lucky if I put it on once a week because I just listen to so many podcasts. It amazes me even to the point where some of my friends now that are in the business get wind of like, wait, you have a podcast? Because they all think it's about a theater. They're like, well, it's a theater podcast, right? And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> and it blows their mind. They're like, wait a minute, but you'd be so good at that. Like, we think it's great. You love to talk and you're so knowledgeable about theater. And I'm like, you know, I'd rather talk about the Tony Kornheiser show and, and its yeah. fans and stuff like that. It's yeah. amazing. I listen to a lot of not really true crime podcasts, mm-hmm. but podcasts that cover an event sometimes it's a crime so people are always asking now because they know i listen to podcasts what are some good ones and i tell them and then i they say well what's your favorite and i go my favorite is something that you would would absolutely hate (laughs) i mean most of my librarian friends are not real into sports or right they would think it was kind of silly. So it's hard. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's hard to recommend the TK show, even though you want them to so bad. It's like, I want to convert you to a little so bad so that you will (laughs) laugh just as I do that with Roxy. I'm like, Roxy, listen to this jingle, listen to this jingle. And she's just like, what? You know, (laughs) she's sort of getting them now a little bit, especially after that, that great interview we did, we did with Joe Arrow, you know, to actually break down the jingle process, because I think so many of us want to know what goes on, you know, in that whole process. Mm -hmm. Right now, one of our sports talk radio stations every year has a, it's kind of like a jingle contest, but it's a Christmas carol contest, but it has to be, you have to create lyrics that are about sports. And oh. so right now I'm working and, and you just submit the lyrics and then they get oh. someone on mm-hmm. staff who's a good singer to sing it. But I'm, I don't know if not everyone follows college sports like I do. UT's football coach, Tom Herman, is being, I mean, they're talking about hiring Urban Meyer because they just haven't played up to expectations. Mm -hmm. Right. So I've been playing around with the lyric, Herman roasting on an open fire. Urban nipping at his toes. You know, <laughs> and then I, I haven't gotten any farther than that, but that just, you know, well, that's amazing. But I, I think by the time I get it written and turned in, Herman will probably already be fired and yeah. it uh, wouldn't be funny anymore. Oh my gosh. Mary <laughs> Bay, I <laughs> hear you. I don't think it's, you know. I, I don't think it's aired yet. I can't remember, but 
I, we were just talking about this on another podcast where I did one once for the TK show and it took me over three months. It literally mm-hmm. took me three months oh. from the time I got the idea to finding the right lyrics, then to finding the song to go to it, to then getting it uploaded to the show and everything. Mary, listen, actually, you could stick around, right? Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back because I want to get more into this because I know I've sort of done my homework and I'd love to talk more about your sports fandom and we want to hear more about this jingle. So... We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Meet the Littles. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. We are talking with Mary Faye Randolph today, all the way from Texas. Now, Mary, you referenced, well, you kind of almost premiered your jingle that you're now this is for a local station right but i really think you might be onto something now i just want to make sure you know i hope i'm saying the right one is it tk littles that has the you there's a section where you can submit an idea and then someone like you have oh okay great well that's one of my questions (laughs) was have you ever got picked up (laughs) uh well well, you were just singing a little for us on our podcast and i think we should try to find someone to pick that up and you got to get a little couple more lyrics but go, let's go back. And first of all, it sounds like you're all over the map with your, you just, you're a big sports fan in general, right? Yeah, primarily college sports. Mostly college. Okay. Yeah. So what is your favorite sport then? Baseball. It is baseball. So what's your favorite team? University of Texas. University of Texas. Okay. Is that where Clemens is from? Yes. It is. Whoa, I'm shocked that I knew that. I saw him pitch every home game during his college career. Wow. Uh, And it breaks my heart that he's kind of under a shadow because uh, we also saw him for my mom's 80th birthday. I took her to the Astros Cardinals National League Championship Series, one of their Mm -hmm. games. And I purposely got uh, got tickets to the one that I thought that Clemens was going to pitch. So we saw him pitch for the Astros, which is my favorite professional team. So I'm still a Roger fan. Well, yeah. And his his son, is his son's Cody? Is that his name? Did he? Yeah. He played there too, right? Yes. Cody and Casey. Yeah. Casey wasn't. I think he's playing well. Who knows? There may not yeah. even be a minor league season. Right. But, right. Uh, but he's not been promoted as much as Cody. Right. Now, what was that like getting to see Clemens like in college? Now, do you did you get an autograph or anything like that? Um, I mean, no, I don't no. think so. I remember after '83 College World Series when we won the 1983 College okay. World Series. And so I did get to to talk. They always, when they come back from Omaha, they always have a fan fest kind of thing where right. you go down on the field and talk to the players. And, and you can get autographs. I don't think I did, though. <laughs> but Bill Bates was another player who mm-hmm. played professionally that was on that team. Uh, Calvin Chiraldi. Wow. Um, Well, Roxy and I are Red Sox fans, so we know that name well. Uh, (laughs) I mean, we don't need to go there because I was always one that stuck up for Buckner. I mean, Chiraldi lost the game before that. I know that was the last play of the game, but Chiraldi's the one with the wild pitch. Anyway, Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother. I mean, and when the Astros were in the National League, I've never been a Rangers fan. 
I was always in the American League. I was always a Red Sox fan. Oh, oh wow! Because of because of Clemens, because of Roger and Calvin. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. So when the Astros moved to the American League, you were like, of, "Sorry, boys." Yeah, is out. Right. But, yeah. That yeah, college baseball. At least one of my parents was alive. We always head to the. Oh wow, that's great. Baseball games, and I still go to a, to a lot of them. I just once my mom couldn't go, I just I let the tickets go because it's you mm-hmm. just can't plan as much. I mean, when when they were going, I knew at least two of the tickets would get used. Sure. I wasn't going to use them, but if it was just me. There were other things going on that sure. I needed to, to do. So, yeah, I, I let them go. But, yeah, you have to kind of, if I got tickets, I looked into getting tickets again way up high. Wow. For college, and, that, and that's your alma mater, right? Yes, yes. That's so, um, Texas that's interesting. baseball is. Well, sure, of course, yeah. Uh, not as big as football, right? But uh, I would say it's it's more has more interest than basketball. But speaking of basketball, I did some homework, and we do have one thing in common. I am from New York. I am all over the map, and I have a good story for each of them. But I am a diehard Spurs fan, and I understand that you yeah. are also a Spurs fan. Yeah, mine goes back to David Robinson when he got drafted, and I thought it was so cool that the Spurs, they put talent in front of money, you know, whatever you want to call it, but the fact that they drafted him knowing that he still had to do two years at Navy, or I'm sorry, two years in the service before they would actually get him, that just, I don't know why, I was in high school at the time, and it was just so great, and I just became a Spurs fan. And to the fact where when he retired, and I know that year has an asterisk because that was the strike year, I believe, the first time they won the championship. And he was leaving or retiring, and I almost thought maybe I should pick a different team now. But by then I got to know Duncan and all the other some of the other guys at the time. You know, he was just a young guy, and I was like, well, why should I stop rooting for a good team? They were good teams. So I was like, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So have you been a lifelong Spurs fan or? Pretty much. I wasn't really as, I wasn't exposed to basketball much until I was in college because Mm -hmm. I was in Longhorn Band, the marching band at at UT. And so we went to the basketball games too. And that was kind of when I first started really paying attention to any kind of basketball. Gotcha. And being in a college town and not, I mean, we do have a major league soccer team, but, you know, not having a professional team in the city, you know, I wasn't really that aware of the NBA until I became aware of college basketball gotcha. and then started following the, and this is how I do with all my professional sports. I follow teams that Texas players play on, on professional sports. Gotcha. I used to be a Cowboys fan until Jerry fired Tom Landry in such a crummy way. And it was just kind and and that probably has a little bit to do with my mom too, because my mom was at UT when Tom Landry played there. Oh, and wow. so she was just, I'll never forget, I got home and I called, I'd heard it on the radio on my way home from work, <laughs> and I called her and I went, did you hear what that 
damn Jerry Jones. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, I know, I'm never going to be a Cowboys fan again. And our family just kind of quit being Mm -hmm. professional football fans. Wow. Well, Mary Faye, one of the questions we like to ask, and I'm pretty sure based on uh, your sheet that you turned in, that you have had emails right on the air, but you have an interesting story about that. Could you expand upon that? Okay, I guess it was six years, almost seven years ago, on my way home from work, I was listening to the podcast, and Dan from Austin sent in an email and said, I saw a car with a TK sticker and a bumper sticker for the church I attend on it, and I'm just wondering who it is, and if you, you know, if you, if you can respond or whatever. <laughs> And so that was you said, of course, what made what it was me. Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, But what made it funny was at the end, Dan said, being that we're members of the same church, I didn't want to give her the TK salute. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know how she would respond. (laughs) And uh, and I knew it was me because he said, I mean, he was describing the route. I mean, it was like back in the day when people would say how they got to work. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and so he, you know, he said the exact intersection, and so and I went through that intersection every morning. Yeah. So I immediately send an email that says that was me, and you know I wouldn't have minded if you gave me the and maybe we'll meet someday because we go to a large downtown church where we don't necessarily especially and like dan is the next generation younger than me so like we wouldn't be in the same sunday school classes or you know anything we wouldn't have met each other gotcha well then the next day i fell in and was in the hospital for several weeks because of complications and i get this email from our pastor who says is it okay if i give dan kilday your email address because he thinks y'all listen to the same podcast and i went (laughs) yes Please do. And so the whole time I was in the hospital, he and I, you know, emailed back and forth about funny things that, you know, Tony had said or one of the oh guests. Oh, my gosh. That's so sweet. And, so, and then as soon as I was up and getting around again, this family, he He's married, has three kids. They're all just dear friends of mine now. But this family comes up to me and, and the father goes, are you Mary Faye Randolph? And I went, yes. And I went, you have to be Dan. (laughs) So now they're, I mean, like they're some of the people that I miss seeing the most in person because they, they just, we just became great friends just immediately. He sends me texts and emails all the time about, things that are said you know on the podcast and I text him back (laughs) so yeah that's so nice (laughs) all right Roxy get the tissues out oh my gosh (laughs) another ultimate littles help helping littles I mean Mm -hmm. that was a rough time for you and I'm sure that's just what you needed that's amazing and And I know and I do know the church was connected there of course but essentially uh the TK podcast is what brought you two together which is truly amazing real quick Friday five have you ever done a Friday five 
I've done two. You've done two. Oh, that's great. I did the one after Eric Lonerton. Wait, wait, you were the one after Eric? That did the pictures. From no, of course. Yeah, I look at the list from Claire and I'm thinking, oh, great. I'm going <laughs> after this. You were the one. Oh my gosh, that's a, oh my exactly and, um, exactly. I don't, bless you because there's yeah that one of so course I blew saw, all our minds. I, I saw the thing that said that uh, the three most hated states were Texas, California, and New Jersey, uh-huh. and so I thought I I'll pick up on that being that <laughs> there are a lot of littles in Texas. Yeah, there were I think seven of us there. Right. So, I was going to say, expand upon that, please. I That was on your sheet and I completely forgot. This was the Summer of the Littles? The Summer of Littles, too. Right, Summer of... Right. Last gotcha. summer, or yep. two summers ago now. Right. I started just kind of putting on Facebook who would be interested in, in meeting in Austin. So I was thinking that's kind of centrally located. Mm-hmm. And, and I know there are some people in Austin and so from Texas, just let me know and we can kind of talk about it. Everyone that was responding lived in the Metropl- Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area. Well, my best friend from college lives in Dallas and I always go and spend during the summer a weekend or even more with her. And so I thought, why not check if, it, if that's a good weekend for me to come stay with her and we'll just plan it in Dallas. Mm. And so we had it at Lockhart Smokehouse, which is one of the best barbecue places yep. in, in the Dallas area. It was a lot of fun. Funny Roxy and I actually have been there. We have. Really have. Roxy, it is. I don't know if Roxy remembers, but we were on tour with White Christmas one year and we were there oh, for wow. uh, Christmas and we got we actually went there. Yeah. Yep. When Hampton walked in, I said, mimicking the way he always signs his emails, I am Hampton Nager. <laughs> and I, I, I said, I am Hampton Nager when he walked in. And he goes, no, I am. <laughs> it just, we're, we all stay in touch. And even people that, that weren't able to come, yeah. uh, Dave Clary in Corpus Christi, I've never met him in person, but we we communicate on Facebook a lot and Twitter, and uh, Hampton and I communicate yeah. back and forth. I'm so curious, what's your favorite book? Oh, oh, that is hard, you know, for someone. Right, it's like asking so a musician their favorite song. Or All right, do you have top five? Top five. I'm going to go tween or middle grade books because maybe people hear them and hear about them and recommend them to their kids. Okay for now. That's a, the title of the book by Gary Schmidt. Wonder, a movie was made of that one mm-hmm. by RJ okay. Flashes. And one of the ones that, that something I've read recently that I would really, I'm going to just do a top three. Uh, this is more for teenagers, mm-hmm. 13 and up. Uh, Foul Trouble by John Jr. Feinstein. Oh. Uh, it's about a high school basketball player's recruitment by college. And it really, you know, of course, Interesting. he knows what it's really like. And so uh, I, I had a lot of my students who were athletes mm-hmm. read because I, I said, you know, you 
you just think that things are going to be, you know, like they are now. Well, teachers just love you and we promote you and everything. And it's not going to be that way when you get to school and for, for older teens. I would really recommend that one. I love that. I love that you can use books to connect with your kids, your students, and kind of give them another way of learning about the world and maybe their world specifically. I think that's so inspiring to hear. So I love it. (laughs) Well, real quick, is there anything before we forget, is there anything you want to plug about yourself? Any M-A-R-Y-F-E-T-X on Twitter. Okay. We got you. I will uh, try to look you up and because the Loyal Littles podcast now has a Twitter page. Mm-hmm. We right. finally do. You it's know, uh, but I hadn't looked it up. So I, what? what yeah, well, Loyal is... Littles Pod. Yeah. Okay. Mary Faye, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. We really, really appreciate, appreciate the time. It. Thank you. All right. And Littles, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. Another great interview. Mary Faye, thank you so much for coming on. So much to dissect in that. But the two things, Roxy and Chuck, I took out of this. I mean, I love how she just calls Roger and Calvin like their best buds. I mean, to see Roger Clemens and Calvin Chiraldi pitch in college, to me, that would just be such a cool thing. The other really cool thing is how she connects with her students. The whole cursive thing where she had to encourage all her athletic students to learn cursive so that they could sign their autograph someday. You know, how they were talking about how nowadays they don't even teach cursive in schools. Yes, I'm well aware. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's a great way to encourage them. If they're going to be semi-famous someday, people are going to want their autograph. And what are they going to do? Just print it out? I mean, how lame is that? So. Easy forgery at that point. Or that, yeah. So I don't know. That was kind of neat. I just really, I did not did not see that coming in any way, shape, or form, and that was really cool. All right, you two. You ready to have some fun? Yeah. Let's have some okay, fun. All right. So we've been talking. I think one of our past Friday Fives was what's your favorite Christmas movie? I think we, and we did that one together. Mm-hmm. So now we've got some, I don't know. I found this on the old Google machine, and I thought this could be fun. First of all, it's going to be interesting to see your reaction if you even know what the hell I'm talking about. And if, if you do, then we'll discuss a little bit. But whether it's A Christmas Story, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, or Die Hard, everyone has his or her own go-to Christmas movies. Then there are the holiday movies that have been consigned to the Island of Misfit Christmas movie sequels. Movies that people don't love because they just don't plain know about them. So mm-hmm. I've compiled a list of seven Christmas movie sequels you've probably never heard of. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Number There's one. Probably a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> but some of them are fun. I actually have seen a few. Roxy, I know you've seen at least one of these because I made you watch it. Number one, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2. What? Chuck? No. Does now, not there, is, there is a subtitle that I didn't read yet because I wanted to see if, what your reaction to that. Yes, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation had a sequel in 2003, subtitled Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. Everything? Who was in it? 14 years after rolling up to Clark Griswold's house in a rundown old RV in the 1989's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Cousin Eddie, Randy Quaid, 
got a seasonal saga of his own with the made-for-TV Christmas Vacation oh, 2, no. Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. This what? time around, Eddie made and his family, including, <laughs> including his wife, Catherine, who was played by Marion Flynn brilliantly, they reprised their roles together, and Ed Asner as Uncle Nick. They find themselves celebrating Christmas while trapped on a tropical island. Now, the key to this, Matty Simmons, producer of the other four vacation movies, wrote the screenplay. He has only penned one other movie since, National Lampoon's Pucked, starring John Bon Jovi. Yes, that's real. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think I saw that at some point. I don't remember it, but I'm pretty sure I did see that at some point. One time, obviously, Chuck, like you said, there's a reason. Let's move on to numbers two and three. They are together. Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House, released in 2002, and Home Alone, The Holiday Heist, filmed in 2012. Anything? Yes, I've seen seen one of those, and I can't remember. Macaulay Culkin, there's a new kid in town Uh in in one of those. I think it's the fourth one. Well, actually, Chuck, uh, Macaulay Culkin bailed before that. He bailed on Home Alone 3. Okay. Right. So maybe it's this. three that I've seen. So you know about Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2, Lost in New yes. York. You yeah. might also know about the Macaulay Culkin-less Home Alone 3. It did get a theatrical release, after all. Okay. But zombie-like, the franchise kept shambling along with two TV movies released in 2002 and 12. The first, Home <laughs> Alone 4, Taking Back the House, yet again puts Kevin McAllister, played by Mike Weinberg, in the position of having to defend his house, actually his divorced dad's girlfriend's house where he's spending christmas from thieves though home alone the holiday heist opted for a brand new set of characters the setup is the same christmas thieves a booby-trapped house etc etc i don't know anything about those i don't think i saw it where do they show these movies well, like, what TV, TV channel? Like, are these Hallmark Channel movies? Like Freeform or something, I think. I or have TNT no idea. Or, like at three o'clock in the morning, you know, right. desperate. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, A Christmas Story 2. Nope. Heard of Did it. Did we know about nope. this? Yes. Chuck, you've heard I've, of it? I've heard of it. I don't think I've seen it, but right. I have heard of it. It was released in 2012. Nope. Okay. Nothing? <laughs> Okay. Now, meaning saying, like, nope, we'll never see that. I think I saw that on a double feature at the drive-in, and it was the, the first movie was the Yule Log, <laughs> followed by a Christmas Story too. All right. Christmas Story. Too. Well, as we know, Christmas Story usually gets its 24-hour marathon. No such love is given to its 2012 sequel, Christmas Story 2, probably because no one realizes it's a thing. The direct-to-video, not even on TV. Sequel takes place five years after the first movie, Ralphie having worn down his father enough to get a Red Ryder carbine action, 200 shot range model air rifle, now has his heart set on a car. Oh, gosh. The two films have no cast or crew in common. The biggest name in the sequel is Daniel Stern. There's actually an earlier non-holiday based A Christmas Story sequel titled My Summer Story, released in theaters in 1994. That follows Ralphie and his family's summer shenanigans. Its core cast had to be replaced. And, yeah, we don't need to get into all the casting and everything like that. But, yeah. All right. Elf, Buddy's Musical Christmas. I mean, I'm not surprised. I've never heard of it, but I'm not surprised that they did that. Basically, it was a combination of the movie and the musical. Remember the the stage musical that came out? Right. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Yep, they came up with this, and they basically, it's a more condensed mashup of Elf and its musical adaption, Elf the Musical. 
Gotcha. And, uh, oh, and did we mention it's in stop motion? What? Yeah. Jim Parsons voices the Christmas loving buddy. Oh, I love him. Yep. And the voiceover expert and Jedi, Mark Hamill, playing his Scrooge-like father, Walter. Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. True story. All right. Whoa. Number six, Santa Baby 2, Christmas Maybe. <laughs> I just love I've the titles. Heard. Chuck, I, this one I can answer for you. It was an ABC family aired made-for-TV movie. Uh, and was starring Jenny McCarthy as Mary, yes. a woman struggling with the decision to leave her career, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure there's a gazebo involved. Real quick, last one, Chuck. Now, this one came out in 1979, Chuck. So I'm going to be curious to see if you've seen this one. Roxy, I know you've seen this one. Number seven, Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Yep, seen it. Chuck? Rudolph and Frosty animated? Uh, well, it was the, what do you Claymation. claymation. Whatever you I want guess to call it. Would be real. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chuck, it was the live action film. <laughs> <laughs> Who would play Rudolph? Who would play Rudolph? So there were two sequels, actually. The first one was 1976 Frosty Winter Wonderland, involves Frosty young friends building him a wife named Crystal. But the second one, ever so slightly more ambition, this was had a running time of one hour and 37 minutes long. That's compared to the 25 minutes that the other ones were. It involves a plot by the evil wizard Winterbolt to destroy the magic that makes Rudolph's nose glow. Also present in Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July are a circus run by a character voiced by, do you remember, Roxy? I do. Can I say it? Sure. Ethel Merman. Yes. Whoa. And evil There's Carney. no business like no business. <laughs> All right, Rock. Okay, Rock. <laughs> You're hired. And- Love her. <laughs> anyway, this is a disaster. I, I have watched it a few times just because I love all those claymation type holiday specials. But there is a scene where Frosty and Crystal and their two kids melt to death in the hot Florida sun. Merry Christmas, everyone. So <laughs> those are <laughs> terrible. So Chuck, which, Chuck, which one? You have a homework. You're well, going to have to watch one of those and I want to review when you come you, back. You left one out, Chuck. Oh, there, there is a sequel to a Christmas movie that actually was maybe just as good Ooh. with the same cast. Well, Ooh. we were, we were. Do discuss- I know what you're talking about? Well, you know this movie, I'm sure. Okay. Are we, well, are we not talking about sequels? This is just bad sequels. Well, these were ones you've probably never heard of. Okay. So, I mean, they could be good, they could be bad, but because the one that the one bad. that jumped off in my head was Christmas with the Cranks Two. Oh, we're not talking about the same thing. Are you familiar with Christmas with the Cranks? Tim Allen? I am. Well, it's also with Tim Allen, yes. Yes. Well, she's going to say, go ahead, Roxy. Uh, First of all, The Santa Claus is probably one of my favorite Christmas movies, and Tim Allen rocks as Santa. But I also, I really loved The Santa Claus 2, where he needed to find a wife before his Christmas magic disappeared forever. And I really love that one. It's super cute. And then they also made a third with Jack Frost being the antagonist. That one wasn't as good, but the second Santa Claus was so good. Just as good as the first, I think. So there we go. Tim Allen as Santa is the best. All right, so that's that's a good question, actually. Chuck, do you have a favorite person who's ever played santa you have a favorite actor oh wow put me on the spot so 
last year I watched, you know, we were looking for something new. So we watched the Christmas Chronicles, and I thought Kurt Russell was a great Santa Claus. Really? Yes, he right. did a great job. And there's a good surprise at the end of that. Okay, no spoilers, because I haven't seen no it. Spoilers, I, but... I saw the previews. I did not think it was going to be something I would get into. Right. But he was so... really good. I mean, the other, the only other person I could think of would maybe be Billy Bob Thornton. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that should have been close the answer. Second. Oh my, oh my gosh. god, that's definitely the closest second. That is sucks. And hello, let's talk about sequels. I mean, right, it wasn't right. as good as the first, but I mean, Batter Santa is what we're talking about. If you didn't right. catch on to that, I mean, Chuck, I even went all out and got. It's called Bad Santa. Excuse me. I splurged and spent the extra five dollars. When they re-released the original theatrical release and added like five minutes of unseen footage. Oh, no. <laughs> and called it Batter Santa. And oh, I, no. I fell for it. I totally fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. The raunchier, <laughs> the better. Threw, threw the bucks out and bought it. Was it worth it? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, it depends what you're looking for. Honestly, all they did, it was just more, shall we say, undressed women, I guess is how we'll say it. Right. Of course. There is an extended scene where he's in a strip club. So, yeah, you see more boobs, basically. So, I guess could have been money well spent. Some people might say that. Anyway, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Call me an old man. Well, I didn't do mine yet. Oh, right. So, call me an old man. Get off my lawn, whatever you want to say. But I'm sorry. Edmund Gwen, the original Miracle on 34th Street Santa, to me, is that Santa to me. Yeah. I mean, except for, like, the Santa on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and stuff like that. I'm talking about live person playing Santa. I mean, like I said, that's old school. I know that. But he's just great. He was wonderful. I also really liked the the remake, Miracle on 34th Street. Yes. Um, I thought that actor playing Santa, I'm not remembering his name, but I thought he was wonderful as well. Yes. Now, I can look him up, but I don't know his name off the top of my head. But, yes, I have to say... I'm not big into remakes when they do things like that, but that one was very clever. So cute. Right down to the whole, well, I don't want to give anything away. If you haven't seen that remake, it would be worth seeing, in my opinion, because it did some twists and turns to update it, I guess is how we'll say it. Yep. And I thought it was handled really well. And oh my gosh, Miss Matilda there. I forget her name I too. Know, Mara, we'll Mara Wilson. Oh my gosh, she was just adorable. But... I'm going to bed uncharacteristically <laughs> early. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, all right, so we did the one unknowns. We gave you a few other Christmas sequel movies to check out over the holiday. All right, <laughs> all you loyal littles, we can't thank you enough for tuning in. Roxy, tell them how they can get in touch with us. You can email us at wtfcpodnet at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can also send all our errors and mistakes to our Twitter handle, which is at loyallittlespod. That's at loyallittlespod. Please give us a follow there. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, The Loyal Littles Podcast. And we just wanted to take a quick second and wish you all a very, very, very happy holidays. We're going to try and turn out another episode for the holiday. Hopefully that'll be dropping like normal Saturday. Keep your eyes peeled. Yes, keep your eyes peeled. It will hopefully drop. We know everyone's going to be busy with the holiday, but we'd like to still be here for all you Loyal Littles on The Loyal Littles Podcast. All right, all you loyal littles, please, please be safe out there and have a wonderful holiday season. We'll see you back here soon. Merry Christmas, everyone. I mean, I know what a fluffer is, I think. 
podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. Oh, yeah.